If you enjoy our hymn studies, be sure to check out the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November, Praise and Honor, Hymn-Inspired Devotions. Praise and Honor contains a devotional for each stanza from hymns like God's Own Child, I Gladly Say It, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, We Praise and Acknowledge You, O God, and more. Browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Praise and Honor, Hymn-Inspired Devotions. You really have to marvel at the genius of the Lutheran reformers. This little book that Luther had written really in kind of a angry reaction <laughs> to what he found in Lutheran congregations when he went looking around in Germany, the small catechism. He calmed down a little bit. He put together this catechism, not a new idea, with six chief parts dealing with the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, the Creed, Baptism, Absolution, and the Lord's Supper. Very simple stuff, the ABCs of the Christian faith. And the Reformers saw this and said, you know, this is more than just any old catechism. This is something that should be the at the very heart of the life of a Christian and by extension then, the heart of the life of a congregation as well. What happens when Lutheran congregations decide to play fast and loose with the small catechism? Welcome back to Issues Etc. on this Wednesday, November the 6th. We'll be talking about undermining Lutheranism in a Lutheran congregation. Dr. Matt Richard joins us. He's pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. Author of the book, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs and a column titled... The Lutheran downgrade. Dr. Richard, welcome back to Issues Etc. Hey, Todd. It's good to be here. Matt, how important is Luther's small catechism, all six chief parts of it, in keeping a congregation Lutheran? Yeah, when it comes to the catechism, you know, we must keep in mind that uh, we have those six chief parts. And what we can do is we can divide the uh, first three into kind of that common core of a Christian faith, you know, that being the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer. And then the second half is going to be the sacramental influence, um, how those gifts are delivered to us. And so I've heard it said before that if you remove the sacraments from our theology, if you remove the sacraments, then what you're left with is just a common evangelical church. And so if you lose the sacraments, you lose um, our distinctive Lutheran theology as well as this wonderful idea and this beautiful gospel message of Christ coming to us to deliver his gifts right to us. What do you mean by a Lutheran downgrade? Well, that's something I've been been pondering the last four, five, six years, and that is this, is, you know, when I've had conversations with other Lutherans and we visit and we talk, um, I've found over the years that we kind of sometimes seems like you have a, almost a disconnect between different Lutheran pastors. And so when you visit with individuals about the small catechism and our Lutheran theology, individuals will say, well, you know, I believe that. I agree with baptism. I agree with communion. I agree with confession and absolution. However, there seems to be some sort of disconnect in these conversations with pastors, as well as looking at the full uh, range of, of Lutheran churches. You can see a very wide range and variety of, of practices in the Lutheran church. And yet, when you visit with these individuals, you would say that we're all on the same page. We all agree with, quote-unquote, our Lutheran theology. So it's, it's, it's kind of caused me to ask and say, well, what what is the difference? What's going on? And as I've been thinking about this and discussing this with other individuals, what I've come to see is that the second half of the catechism is 
kind of dropped off. It's kind of left off to the side, you know, that being baptism and communion as well as absolution. It's not that individuals don't believe it. It's just that it's not highlighted. That that second half is actually downgraded to second-class theology or, or something that is an appendix or a footnote in the theology. So this division of the catechism into these two parts, roughly speaking, Ten Commandments, Creed, Lord's Prayer, and then Baptism, Absolution, the Lord's Supper, you have two hypothetical pastors, Pastor Stevens and Pastor Anderson, who treat that division in two very different ways. Describe that for us. Yeah, in the article, um, I'm always trying to flesh things out to kind of give an example. So we have, again, like you mentioned, two pastors, uh, Pastor Stevens and Pastor Anderson, both of them are Lutheran pastors. They both would adhere to the small catechism, and they both would look at the six chief parts of the catechism, and they would rightly see a divide between them. You know, again, we have to keep in mind that the first three parts are that common core of our Christian faith, uh, that being the Ten Commandments, Apostles, Creed, and Lord's Prayer. And then the second half, which is going to be that focus of those sacraments, we would rightly see that divide between the two of them. But here is what happens. Pastor Stevens sees it in a division that the first three are foundational. They're foundational to be taught before you actually teach the second half of the catechism. So in other words, you want to know the Lord's Prayer, you want to know the Apostles' Creed and the Ten Commandments, establish that first before before moving on to talk about the sacrament of the altar or talking about absolution or, or baptism. But here's the problem is Pastor Anderson, he sees that division between the two parts in the catechism, and then he takes and he makes it a division of essential and non-essential. In other words, the first three parts, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and Lord's Prayer, he would categorize those as being essential to the Christian faith. Whereas those Lutheran distinctives, such as baptism, absolution, and communion, he would say that, you know, they're important, but they're not as essential as the first part. So he would demote them, he would downgrade them to non-essential Lutheran distinctives that you definitely believe in, but they're not on the same category, the same essential plane as the first part. Okay, so it's not that he doesn't believe those things anymore. He just doesn't believe that they are as important as they should be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's in thinking about this, what we want to be careful when we talk to our other Lutheran brothers and sisters, too often we run to the heretic card. You know, we, we plaster that word heretic, oh, that person's a heretic, or they're teaching false theology. And, and I think this is a real generous uh, eighth commandment way of putting the best construction on what is happening, is that many times individuals, they, they subscribe to all six chief parts, but again, the second half, they would deem that to be not as essential as the first half. And as a result of that, it kind of gets lost off to the side. It gets dropped into a footnote or an appendix, if you will, in their whole theological system. Now, that's kind of how it's being dealt with internally by the pastor. The one pastor is teaching the first three parts as the foundation for the teaching of the equally important second three parts. And the other one is saying, you know, the first three parts are important for me to teach. It's not so important for me to teach the second three parts. How would someone see that downgrade on the ground in their congregation? 
Well, I, I think it can happen in a number of different ways. I think the first and foremost is going to be the amount of time that it's mentioned. Um, obviously, we, we should talk about things that are essential and important to us. And so a pastor that would see all six chief parts as essential, he's going to talk about all six chief parts. It's going to show up in his sermons. It's going to show up in his Bible studies. And most especially, it's going to show up in his practice. One thing that I've been struck by over the years is how all six chief parts of the catechism are present in our divine service every single Sunday. I mean, if you think about from the making the sign of the cross, uh, reminding the people of their baptisms to, you know, that time during confession, at least here at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, we have, a, we have a pause for about 10 to 15 seconds where we contemplate our sin in light of God's Ten Commandments um, as we make that confession of sin. And then we hear that absolution from the pastor in the stead and by the command of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And then we confess the Apostles' Creed. We receive the Lord's Supper every single Sunday, and then we also pray that Lord's Prayer. So all six chief parts are present each and every Sunday. However, when we kind of go down that road of a downgrade, what ends up happening is that these parts of the catechism are not necessarily present every single Sunday in the service, or perhaps maybe they're paraphrased or maybe not hit as much as they they should or ought to be. The focus on that second half, at least, is actually diminished quite drastically. So you're probably not going to see the sign of the cross. You're probably going to have communion uh, much, much less frequently. The absolution might even be paraphrased to diminish uh, its effects and and to downgrade it. And, and the whole purpose, and this kind of maybe leads to the further part of the conversation here today is it's many times done in the interest of evangelism because that second part of the catechism is that part that is oftentimes a very big stumbling block to non-Lutherans. So the justification for, say, let's not have communion every Sunday or every other Sunday, but let's make it maybe once a month and maybe even something that's that's not for the kind of the general consumption but only for the insiders. That's done because... The seekers, so to speak, wouldn't understand it? Well, I mean, if you consider this from the perspective of, you know, what you have is the terminology that's being used these days is the unchurched and the de-churched. And basically, the unchurched and the de-churched are those who, uh, on the one hand, have maybe never set foot in the church or rarely do, or those who were once very, very churched at once upon a time. Well, there's this whole segment of this market of these individuals out there. Sometimes they're church shopping, other times they're not, but the church is often driven in our culture to reach out and to grab a hold of them and bring them in. And so if you bring them in and you bring them into the church, generally speaking, if they have any kind of church background, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer, they're fairly comfortable with that. Uh, in fact, many times we see those aspects of that first half of the catechism really present in our culture. Um, even like last night, my wife and I were watching a Netflix show and one of the characters prayed the Lord's Prayer, and it was very, very prevalent there. So there's a sense where people are somewhat familiar with that first half of the catechism. But then you get to that second part of the catechism where you're baptizing a baby or, or, or the, you hear the pastor saying, we're eating and drinking the body and blood of Jesus. Now, those things can tend to be a stumbling block to maybe the de-churched or the unchurched, especially if they have an American evangelical background. So so those things maybe should be, you know, we, we want to subscribe to them, but we want to diminish them so that they don't become a stumbling block to get, to get these new members into our church. You had mentioned earlier how the absolution might be paraphrased or kind of weakened. How does that happen? 
Well, I, I've seen this in a couple couple different ways where the current confession that we have, I mean, it absolutely stops us in our feet. You know, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess before you, Lord God, that I've sinned in thought, word, and deed. And, and so we're basically confessing that God is completely just and holy. He'd be so right to just damn us right on the spot, to pour out his wrath upon us and to just absolutely blow us up to a million pieces with his wrath because of our sin. So that confession is a very, very bold confession. And then the pastor stands up and saying, in the stead and by the command of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. It's an indicative. It's an absolute certainty proclaimed right into their ears. And so what can happen, though, is oftentimes, the temptation of our sinful nature is we want to maybe not make our sinful condition as bad as it really is. We want to elevate that. So we you know, won't say necessarily that we are poor, miserable sinners. We might want to soften that language. So we're just more so maybe making those mistakes. And then the absolution, instead of the absolution being that proclamation of the pastor, in the stead and by the command of Jesus, right into their ears, an unconditional, absolutely bold confession of Christ that you are forgiven, we sometimes will condition it or we'll make it more of a generalized, you're kind of forgiven or you are forgiven because of this. And But we instead of just proclaiming it right into their ears. And so there's the, it, it's really tricky when you look at the language. It's usually diminishing our sinful nature, and it's always adding a little bit of a condition into that proclamation of the gospel. So we want to, uh, uh, again, we want to get rid of the unconditionalness of that absolution, and then we want to elevate our sinful nature, which is that, that is the whole part of our sinful nature, how things work. So by practice, these things are kind of put in their proper and lesser place in the life of the church. What does that teach when these things are treated as though they are less essential than the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer? Well, oftentimes what we focus on the most is what's going to be communicated to our people. And so if you do not focus on baptism, if you say it's essential and it's important, but you don't focus on it, you don't talk about it, you're actually uh, almost kind of being a hypocrite in a sense where you're you're saying it's important, but yet you're not accentuated in the service or in your theology. And over time, what happens is you lose it. You, you essentially lose it. And, and I've heard it said before that when one generation believes the gospel, the next generation will assume it, and then the third generation will lose it. And so a lot of these things, when we assume them or we put them in the footnote section of our theology, well, what ends up happening is we don't necessarily always read the footnotes of a document, and so they get passed on and they fall out of existence. And then before we know it, we've dropped that second half of the catechism, and we're only focusing on the first. And by doing that, then we lose that Lutheran distinctiveness, that really core part of our theology about how the Lord comes to us with his gifts. Dr. Matt Richard is our guest. We're talking with him about undermining Lutheranism in a Lutheran congregation. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. The Issues Etc. book of the month for November is called Praise and Honor, Hymn-Inspired Devotion. Some of the best catechetical resources in the church are the church's Hymns, and this book is a great example of that, a devotion on each stanza of 14 well-loved hymns. Find out more about Praise and Honor Hymn-Inspired Devotions from Concordia Publishing House by giving them a call, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. Ask for Praise and Honor Hymn-Inspired Devotions, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. When we come back... We'll talk about statements of faith, congregational statements of faith, on their websites.
Why do the Lutheran confessions quote the ancient church fathers? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column, Why We Bother with the Fathers, in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Professor Adam Kuntz details his journey from the Book of Common Prayer to the Book of Concord. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. LCMS Disaster Response provides guidance and assistance to congregations who seek to proclaim the gospel and show mercy in the wake of disasters. We can bring capacity to your congregation through on-site assessment, volunteer training and congregation preparedness, and through grants direct to your congregation. For more information, follow us on Facebook, keyword LCMS Disaster Response, or visit our website at lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster. Sacramental. Historical. Liturgical. You're listening to Issues Etc. The Holy Trinity addresses three important things for the reader. Dr. Carl Beckwith talking about his book in the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic series, The Holy Trinity. It explains the difficulties we face in confessing the Trinity in our world today. It shows how Scripture carefully and decisively presents the Trinity, and it rehearses the sound pattern of words used by the Church to clarify and defend the witness of Scripture. Learn more about the Holy Trinity at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Dr. Matt Richard is our guest, author of a column titled The Lutheran Downgrade. We're talking about undermining Lutheranism at a Lutheran congregation. Dr. Richard, this was now decades ago when congregations were first premiering their websites, and one of the features that that I always like to look at at those fledgling sites was the What We Believe section. You could kind of tell a lot about a congregation when you got to that section on baptism, the Lord's Supper, absolution, because the language got really soft and vague. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. You, you not only see it in the services on Sunday, but like you said there, in the statement of faiths, too, that are presented on the websites, it's usually the downgrade is, is present there. Again, when it comes down to, you know, mingling with other ecumenical churches in a particular area, oftentimes, you know, take up, for instance, an average Baptist. Um, in fact, I in, in writing this article, I visit with one of my friends who is a Southern Baptist, and I threw the um, catechism at him, and I asked him, I said, well, you know, let's talk about this. And we went through the Lord's Prayer, and we're, we're, we're good. And the, when it comes to the Apostles' Creed, he said, yep, for the most part, we're, we're, we're spot on there. And the Ten Commandments, he said, well, we number the ten, ten Commandments a little differently, and we see the Second Commandment a little different than you guys do. But he said, for the most part, we're on the same page. And then I went to the second half of the catechism, and I mentioned to him baptism and the Lord's Supper and absolution. And, and right away, we saw the divide. I mean, we both broke different ways quite drastically. And so that is something that in a sense where getting along with quote-unquote other evangelicals, American evangelicals, American theology, that is something that is going to be definitely going to be a rub for people when coming into our church. And so oftentimes what we do is we do a bait and switch. You know, we'll diminish that second half. We say we'll hit that first half of the catechism, and then once we get them in through the doors, then we'll slowly introduce that second half. But Unfortunately, what happens is it does get dropped off because it is not necessarily seen as an essential part of our Christian faith. It's more seen as that appendix. You know, Dr. Richard, that there are Lutheran congregations that have taken this a step further, and they've just abandoned the catechism as a form altogether, either in teaching the young 
or even in catechizing new members. What's going on there? Well, if you abandon the whole catechism, I mean, we got to keep in mind that the catechism itself is the six parts that we would essentially say that are the uh, bread and butter, I mean, the, the absolute foundation of our Christian faith. I mean, dating back all the way hundreds of years, I mean, we've always had we've always had an emphasis of the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. I mean, these are gifts given to us by God's Word. And so we, we have, you know, in the Ten Commandments, we can have God's holy and righteous and beautiful law. This law of God that not only shows us God's will, but it shows us and helps us understand what is sin and what is not sin. And then the Apostles' Creed is this absolutely gem for us to understand who our triune God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and understanding creation and redemption and sanctification. And then we're taught how to pray in that Lord's Prayer as Christians that we pray against our old Adam, we pray against the devil and the world itself. And so without them, you create a vacuum and and, and you're always going to have to teach something. So if you're not teaching the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, as well as these blessed gifts of the sacrament, then what are you teaching? And then the other part of it, too, is if you're omitting that second half of the catechism, the sacraments, well, these sacraments are gifts that are given to us. They're all about the Lord delivering into our mouths, into our ears, into our hands, upon our head, his gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. So if God is not delivering these gifts to us, um, I've heard it been said, I've heard it said before that if, if we don't have these great sacraments that are given to us, we'll invent our own. And so my question would be is if we don't have these wonderful six chief parts of the catechism as uh, we see in the scriptures, then what are we inventing in its spot? And I shudder to think what what is actually being taught in this world. In fact, we, we, we precisely know it's a moral therapeutic deism that's often taught in place of these six chief parts. You talked about this a little bit earlier in our conversation about how the historic divine service naturally, in the way that it expresses the Christian faith, puts the emphasis on all these things in the course of a Sunday morning. Speak a little bit about the historic liturgy as a safeguard for a congregation against perhaps a pastor's tendency to want to de-emphasize the second part of the catechism. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've often said to St. Paul's Lutheran Church that the liturgy that we have is expressed in that uh, divine service in our hymnal is actually a safeguard against me. When when I have a bad sermon, and that does happen from time to time, if a pastor's had an off week or he hasn't had time to prep, or there's oftentimes where a pastor overpreps a sermon where you, you maybe don't rightly divide law and gospel, you may may fail in your your delivery of your sermon, that 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 divine service, the liturgy itself actually protects the congregation from a pastor's bad sermon or bad sermons. Maybe a pastor is going through a funk of, you know, maybe a month of going through some struggles. Well, that liturgy protects the church from the pastor having a bad week or a bad month. And it also, it it establishes and upholds the catechism itself, those six chief parts. And so, in a way, what happens is if a pastor does decide to diminish that second half of the catechism, namely being that, that baptism, communion itself, and 
absolution, well, then he has to do a lot of work uh, to get rid of that in the divine service, obviously diminishing the frequency of the Lord's Supper. And then the very beginning of the service, we have that great confession of sin and the absolution. And to get rid of that, uh, oftentimes you can't just omit it. So you would have to downgrade it by adjusting the language, as we mentioned before, and slowly uh, uh, downgrade it out of existence uh, in the church service as well. And so a pastor would have to do quite a bit of work to get rid of those things. And unfortunately, it does happen, and it happens incrementally as things get dropped here and there. And I've had a person once say that that change, you know, oftentimes in a church, it's not necessarily drastic. It happens little by little. So one change one month, and maybe four months later, there's another change. And maybe a couple of months after that, another change. And before you know it, over a year's time, you have four or five changes in a service. And you add that up over five years, you have 25 changes. And so that change can happen very subtly by omitting different aspects of the divine service, which would ultimately be diminishing those six chief parts. You quote from uh, frequent guest here on Issues Etc., Dr. Gene Edward Veith. He writes, To understand Lutheranism, it is necessary to recognize that the Lutheran understanding of salvation by grace and justification by faith cannot be separated from the Lutheran teachings of baptismal regeneration in the real presence of Christ in the bread and wine of Holy Communion. What is V saying there? Yeah, absolutely. So I've heard it said before, and just kind of a paraphrase, I had an old friend that once said to me, imagine going to a college and simply putting up a sign that says, free beer. And so you have a big sign that says, free beer. The first question people are going to have is, okay, free beer, where? Where is the free beer? Where can I receive that free beer? It's the same thing that we hear uh, with this idea of justification by grace in Christ. Christ is declared through the scriptures. We hear about him dying, being made to be sin on our behalf. He says on the cross, it is finished to tell us die. It is finished. It is complete. It is done for us. He does this as a gift for us. But then the question is, then how do I access this? How do I get in on what Christ has done for me? And the sacraments are that instrument, that means in which God delivers the what he accomplished at Mount Calvary into our ears and upon our heads and in our hands and our mouths and into our bellies. And so you omit the sacraments, you have just essentially that sign that says free beer and people are left saying where. And then when that happens, unfortunately, people will devise all sorts of mechanisms and make up their own sacraments, uh, usually ways of trying to climb into the good graces of God, trying to climb to get that justification. And so you have whole church bodies and whole church services that are completely designed to get people climbing and huffing and puffing, trying to work towards getting that justification when all along it is a complete and total gift given to us in this word and sacraments being given to us. You know, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Take and eat, take and drink. This is for you, for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Hear the good news of the gospel in the stead and by the command of Jesus. You are forgiven pouring these gifts upon people. So it's accomplished in Christ and delivered in those sacraments. But when we remove those sacraments, we don't know how to get the gifts, and then we invent our own sacraments. Someone listening to us says, you know, Dr. Richard, you're describing my congregation. I remember a time when all those six chief parts were not only taught in class, they were emphasized in the sermon, the preaching and the teaching and in the worship. But if I think lately they're not there anymore. I still hear about the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer occasionally, but not so much about the other things. How do we get back to where we were? 
Well, that's that's one of the beauties I would look at the churches, assuming they're maybe an LCMS church or a Lutheran church in general. Uh, a Lutheran church in general is going to subscribe to the catechism itself. And I know here for our members at St. Paul's, when people come into membership, they stand publicly in front of the whole congregation, and they say that they agree with the church, that they subscribe to the six chief parts of the catechism. So it's embedded there in our theology as a church. And so if, if that's fallen out of use, I would simply make an appointment with the pastor to be very respectful, obviously, to be very respectful and to call that out as gently as you can, saying, are we not a Lutheran church? And if we're a Lutheran church, we subscribe to the catechism, and that would be obviously a yes, then where are the second half of the catechism? That's something that the laity, I think, has completely within their rights to do, again, with respect towards their leadership, such as a pastor, in asking them to teach all six chief parts. And if they're falling out of use, then the question would be a very naive question you could ask is, why aren't they being presented? Are we ashamed of them? Do we think they're not essential? What is exactly going on here? And uh, this is something where we need to be bold as Lutherans. These are essential parts of the Christian faith. The second half, you know, we call them Lutheran distinctives, but we must understand that we believe that this is a part of the whole Christian faith, that these are indeed not just a segment of us as Lutherans, but these are indeed Christian gifts that are given to all Christians, and that we believe everyone as the Christian faith, that we should all subscribe to these six chief parts, uh, because they're such wonderful gifts for us. Dr. Matt Richard is pastor of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota, author of the book, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs, and a column titled The Lutheran Downgrade. You'll find a link to it on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Matt, thank you. Yep, thanks, Todd. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., it's part two of our conversation with Matt Whitman, host of the 10-Minute Bible Hour on YouTube and the 10-Minute Bible Hour podcast on a non-Lutheran's reaction to visiting a Lutheran church. Then Dr. John Warwick Montgomery will join us. We'll be talking with him about 20th century Luther scholar Gerhard Ferdy on the inerrancy and inspiration of Scripture. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., PO Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. The Third Commandment teaches us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We do this when we hold God's Word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Jesus invites the weak and heavy laden to rest in Him, our true rest, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. This weekend, rest in Jesus as you hear His Word and receive His gifts. If you are in Southern Illinois... You're invited to join Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt to rest in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more at trinitymilstadt.org.